Well, again, I want to welcome everybody. And uh, we're doing something a little bit different today. Uh, last week, Rick Renner was here, but we were actually told Saturday morning that his flight had been canceled and he wasn't going to make it. So I came in, was coming in the office and, and Janie said, well, why don't we do something out of the box? And uh, that, that's, she's really good at that out of the box stuff. And I said, well, what do you have in mind? And she said, well, let, let's get a couple of the kids up there and let's do, you know, just questions and answers. Well, then uh, early Sunday morning, in fact, it was just after midnight, uh, we get a text that says Rick is here. But we decided to go ahead and do the panel. And you guys have texted us in uh, lots of questions. So we have Samuel and Becca down here on, a, on our left. Uh, they've been married for 13 years, have five kids ranging from 11 to two. And uh, Daniel and Amanda been married for nine, and she told me, and a half years. So you don't know if that's good or bad, but when they're counting halves, you know. Um, okay, and Enjoying every moment. Four, four, loving every moment. Four children, ages one to seven. All right. And then Jeannie and I, uh, we're going to be celebrating our 43rd wedding anniversary in one month. One month from today. One, all right. So we're, we've got uh, some fresh questions for you. So we're going to just run right through them. All right. Now, you, you may look and think, well, nobody up there has my problem. But what we're going to be doing is we're taking your questions and we're going to give you biblical answers to your questions. So the, the answers will fit you no matter where you are in life. And, and we have really prayed since this, we've had a whole week to prepare, and we have prayed that God would just speak to your hearts. Whatever your need is, whatever your condition and situation is, that God will give you the word that you need to get some instruction and, and help that will bless you. All right. So first question that you text in was this. What were your biggest challenges in the first 10 years? And did you notice a difference after the first 10 years? Well, why don't we start down there with uh, Samuel and uh, Becca. Any problems at all? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there were a few. Five <laughs> problems. Oh, go kids, five kids. No. No, we like them. Surprises. But yeah, there were definitely, definitely some problems. She married me. Um, I would think, I, I really do. I think one of the bigger things that we got over was learning how to, how to fight, how to disagree. Um, I wanted to just sit down and I want to talk about it. And she needed time. And I'm like, you're broken. Like, you, you don't need processing time. We sit down, we talk about it, and then it's done. So we need to sit down. And she's like, no, I need space. Uh, to the point that she locked herself in the bathroom. I'm like, what are you doing? We should just talk about this. I'd rather not talk through the door, but we talk and we just get through. Um, and just learning, wow, it goes so much better if I just give her a few minutes to think about it instead of demanding that we, we talk and work things my way. That was something really big that well, I think once I figured out, it made a huge difference. Um, with that though, the, the key is minutes. I mean, if it's taking you hours, days, that's, that's, not, um, that's not processing. You, you need to understand that you're, you're one. When you get married, the two are one. And so I tend to, if my emotions get really, um, I don't know, hiked up, then I need to just 
think for a second and giving room for the Holy Spirit. You know, for, for me, one of the things I really needed to learn is that Samuel's a child of God. And I know that that sounds obvious, but there were so many times early in our marriage that I did not treat him as a child of God. He would make a mistake and I would think, oh, you're doing that to me. Like instead of us being a team and, and saying, baby, we're gonna get through all of it together. Like I am not going anywhere, it's you and me. And if this was my child, how would I want somebody to correct them? How do I want my children, my children's spouses to, to treat them as well? So um, it was being a team, You're, you are a team. There is no plan B. There's no plan B at all. This, this is it. And then when you have that, when you say, okay, we're doing this God's way, we decided we're getting married and we're staying married. Divorce isn't an option. You go through things and disagreements and you get to the other side and you're like, well, we made it through that. We'll make it to the next thing. And whether something big or small, you get to the other side of that big thing and you think, if we made it through that, we can make it through anything. Mm -hmm. We're going to do this God's way. We're going to the other side. Yeah. Right. Daniel and Maddie, you have something you want to add to that? Or is it... That was really good stuff. Um, <laughs> we went, we've been through um, a lot of different things, some of which would seem to be um, really big deals from medical stuff to a preemie baby to different things. Um, but I'd say the thing that was probably the most helpful and like learning moment um, we got into a season where she just complained all the time. And she'd complain about different things. I'm like, okay, I'll fix this. I am the man. I'll be the hero. So she complained about the dishes. So I did the dishes. And she complained then about the living room. So I cleaned the living room. And she just complained. And I did it. And I, she complained. And I'd fix it. And she complained. And I'd fix it. And the more that I fixed it, the more that she complained. And finally, I was like, <laughs> God, what is wrong? Like, I can't win. The more that I do what she talks about, the more that she finds something new to complain about. And, and I had this, like, brilliant moment that I probably should have had a long time before. It was like, <clears throat> if you have a problem, God knows more than you. And so I'm into the kitchen. And I'm just like, God, what do I do? And he just goes ignore what she's complaining about. Sit down with her. Okay? So she keeps complaining about things, and what God showed me was that she was empty. And out of emptiness, she complained about everything that wasn't the actual issue. So I was running around fixing everything that wasn't the issue, when what the problem was was her... Because I'd been fixing everything, I ended up so tired that when we'd sit down and watch a show or watch a movie, she wasn't feeling like she got connect time, so she'd feel empty, so she'd complain. So I'd try to fix it so she'd get less time. And, <laughs> and it created this, like, this nasty cycle. And when I prayed and went to God, and he's like, just put the to-do list aside and just spend some time with her and seek, like, pursue her and let her feel special. Like, it just, it allowed us to navigate through it so easily after that. And it just, that was, that was really big for us. Okay. Babe, what, what was... Can I say one more thing? Of course. Okay. Oh, what's he going to say? No. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> um, another huge, 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 huge thing, huge, in case you didn't catch that, is the people you surround yourself with. If you have people that are speaking ill of, of marriage or your marriage in general, they are not allowed in, in, in your marriage. They're not allowed to have a voice. Yeah. Um, 
we had we had people that we realized we had some that we realized were sucking the joy out of our marriage and kind of pitting us against each other and then we had friendships that we realized they love being married and we want that and we went after them we went after these friends because it is so important um not only is divorce a communicable disease, but discontentment is a, is a communicable disease. Um, so make sure you're surrounding yourself with people who build up your marriage and love the Lord. Mm-hmm. I mean, babe, what was, did, did we have any problems? <laughs> uh, did we have? We had a few, quite a few. Yeah, the... I think the first 10 years, the biggest challenge was um, getting to know how different you were, just that getting to know each other, um, the differences, and that he's not going to be like my dad, uh, he's not going to be like me, a woman, and um, that, that was just huge. Yeah. Just that coming to realize that we... If, if we seek God and seek his word, and I think that was a huge, in dealing with our differences, and we lived our first year's um, married life in Mexico, totally cut off from the world, no phone, no TV, no internet, no, I mean everything. We were very out there and uh, alone, but I think it was the best thing for me because I ran to God. I couldn't go to my phone and complain to my mom. Oh, can you believe he said this? And he didn't do this. And, and can you, you know what? And I didn't have anybody to go to but God. And I'd go to God and cry out. And, and God told me, well, I never promised to answer complaining, just prayers. And then I had, well, then how am I supposed to pray? And he began to show me what, you know, his will for Dwayne was and that he'd, I could agree with that will and then God could work. And that was one of the biggest um, blessings to our marriage, at least from my point. Everybody's going to have, diff- in fact, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, it says, those who marry will have trouble. How I many know that verse is true? I mean, they're all true, but like, I mean, it's just true. There, there, there's going to be a lot of things that you're going to have to adjust and work through. But uh, um, after 42 years, I would just say marriage gets better and better and better and better and better. All right. Definitely does. Yes. Uh, Next question. How do you bring sex into a marriage when one person feels they don't need it and the other is not comfortable with that? How do you bring love back into your marriage besides the bedroom? Kind of like two different questions. Well, somebody wants to start, but Daniel and Amanda, why don't you start that one? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> You're the, go, Daniel, go. I got the mic. I will, okay. Um, no. <laughs> um, one of the things that in our marriage I have noticed is sex is not just an act. It's not just something you do for no good reason or just for the pleasure of it, but it literally brings us together and unifies us as a team. Mm-hmm. And we, can, we will notice if we are starting to get almost irritable with each other or just starting to feel distant it's like, wait, we need to come back together. And we need to join again and reconnect. And God talks about it being spiritual. He says, you know, when we get married, we become one. And it's not just a, I feel like it's made, become so taboo and almost something you're not supposed to talk about, but it's a beautiful thing that God created us to be able to be one. 
And God created that act to be able to bring us together, to be on the same page emotionally and spiritually. And even in, I don't know if you've ever heard, if you have kids, you might have heard the term skin to skin. And it's where you hold a baby against your skin and it allows the mom to feel these feelings of, ooh, the baby's crying, I should go towards that sound, whereas men, you know, tend to run. <laughs> um, but it, it literally draws you closer to that child so that when they're acting up, you're drawn to them. And it's the same thing in marriage. When you have that skin to skin and you have that, it literally releases scientifically hormones that pu pull you together and make you want to come together and make you desire each other more on a spiritual level, not just a physical level. When I saw that question, that was exactly my, my thought, was that the, the world, the culture we're in, they, it all pressures and, and puts out the idea that sex is just an event. And it doesn't, that's not it, it's a relationship. Sex is all about a relationship. And when you realize that, it's not like, oh, he wants it and I don't. It's not a wanting it. It's a wanting each other. It's a wanting connection and community. It's wanting, um, it's a relationship. And so when you recognize, that's why it's, it's so blessed and right in a covenant marriage because that's, it's for the relationship, for increasing it. So part of that question was when one person feels they don't need it and the other is uncomfortable with it. I think you really need to remember when you got married, you told that person, I'm it. I'm the only place that you can go to have this desire met. And that part of what you get to do for the rest of your life is meet that desire and, and be that for that person. And saying, okay, this isn't just about what I want right now, but it really is being the go-to. They can't get that anywhere else. You're the only, you are the stop. You are the shop. You are everything. You are it. Whatever you are, you're it. You're everything. And to then say one of you, oh, I'm uncomfortable with it. You might really need, I don't know who sent this in, to get some serious one-on-one -on -one counseling or some couples counseling where somebody's so uncomfortable with it that they don't want it. And somebody says, well, I don't know that I need it. But working that together and getting to the other side of it, because we don't go anywhere else with those. When you get married, that's what you're saying. And if you're just, I don't know what the uncomfortableness is, but find a way to get to the other side and to really share something that God gave as a gift to couples. First Corinthians, okay. First Corinthians seven, it's good for a man to have a wife and for a woman to have a husband. Sexual drives are strong that marriage is strong enough to contain them and provide for a balanced and fulfilling sexual life in a world of sexual disorder. The marriage bed must be a place of mutuality. The husband seeking to satisfy his wife, the wife seeking to satisfy her husband. Marriage is not a place to stand up for your rights. Marriage is a decision to serve the other, whether in bed or out. Abstaining from sex is permissible for a period of time if both of you agree to it, and if it's for the purpose of prayer and fasting, but only for such times, and then come back together again, because Satan has an ingenious way of tempting us when we least expect it. I think that kind of just sums it up pretty clear, doesn't it? When you get married, uh, your body belongs to your spouse, your spouse's body belongs to you, and it says you are, you, you're to have intimacy 
unless you both agree, and for a time of prayer and fasting. So my question always is, how long can you fast? <laughs> just, just a thought. Uh, I, next I like, question. Oh. We were just on vacation, um, and we went to a store during its posted hours, and they weren't open, and it was incredibly frustrating. We stood outside, we pounded on the windows, we weren't like that obnoxious, but didn't break anything. But we were there during its posted hours, and it wasn't open, it was frustrating. That would never happen at Meyer. Meyer says they're open and they're open. Marriage makes you into a Meyer. Meyer is closed from 7 p.m. December 24th until 6 a.m. December 26th, and that's it. So there might be a time that you absolutely have to say no, but otherwise, when you get married, your sign goes up in your door open. Come on. Woo! Come on. Hell. We're talking about sex and church, and isn't it good? Okay. <laughs> How, oh, here we go again. How should parents talk to their kids or grandkids about homosexuality? Uh, let me just read a verse uh, just to kind of give everybody a, a biblical context. Right? Do you not know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. Um, very plainly, um, homosexuality is not an alternative biblical lifestyle, right? Um, and it's not the unpardonable sin. And it says in such were some of you and you're not. But how would you talk to your kids about that? Well, I was just going to say, you know, um, you have to speak the truth in love, right? The word, the yes. word says that. Um, but when you're talking to your children, understand that the people you're talking about that might still be um, trapped in these lifestyles are made in the image of God. Mm -hmm. So when we're talking to our children about things others are going to be struggling with, you have to recognize your children are going to struggle with something at some point in life. It might not be that, but you want to talk about people as though they are created in the image of God. And so... Be, be kind, be tenderhearted about it. Um, you can say something is wrong. The Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath. It doesn't say an untruthful one. A soft answer can still be a truthful answer, but a soft answer. Give a, make sure you understand, you give them the understanding that these are still people and we can love people even, even if they're in the midst of the struggle. So... I love that he started with the scripture because that's what I would say is you start with scripture and you lay, say, okay, this is what the Bible says about it. It says that it's not an okay thing and these people need help. Everybody struggles with something, but you start with that. You can read a book and there's a book that says this and there's a book that says that and this person's got a voice right now and a platform and they're saying this and, but when we go to God's word, it's not going to change. And it's there. And so that's what we start with. We say, this is what the word of God says about this. And then we move on from there to this is how we can talk to them and encourage and help people who need help.
And I, I do want to say that if there's anybody here that is struggling with that, um, please come and find somebody to pray with you. Please, this is, this is a, a safe place to be, to be cared for and to be helped. This is a place where we want the best for you. So if there's somebody struggling, come and talk to somebody. Yeah, the only thing I would, I would mention, like they did a phenomenal, you want to use the word, you want to do it in love, and know that how you present things determines how, if they're going to come to you. Going, because if you just bash things that you disagree with, you may be right, but the manner in which you do it says that if I'm struggling, I can't go to you. And so you want to deal with it with love and going, yes, it's wrong. Here's what the Bible says. And that we want to love people, even if we don't agree, even if they're struggling with something, because your kids are going to struggle with something. And when they do, you want them to come to you. And not to go, they're just going to beat my head with a, with a Bible or they're going to, no, they're going to love me. They're going to show me that what I did was wrong, but not because they're mad at me, but because they love me and want the best for me. When we teach our children that um, sin and on all the lists of the sins, and he read the verse that had a list of things, not just the, that one, but uh, that they're not sin because God just picked a bunch of things and thought, you know what, I'm going to label all those as bad and no-nos. And, and he has a bunch of fun things in there and good things. No, those are sin because those are destructive and they're not good for us. And yeah, there might be a pleasure in stealing your uh, sister's money that she'd earn her allowance and, and you go spend it and that might be fun. You got some bubble gum and oh, you had fun. But... Um, it, it was only good then, and now you're, you've got lots of trouble, and now you've got to pay it back. Now you have to mow lawns, and you have to do this. To, you know, you just, there's the consequences of sin that are not good and not happy. And I know, you know, when the kids were growing up, that was always my desire was to help them see um, further down the path of the choices that they have to make in life. You know, why do we not do this? Oh, well, because God said he not to do it. The Bible says not to do it, but then the Bible says this is why. These are the consequences. Uh, I'm looking at, at Samuel down here. I'm going to say 25 years ago, Samuel down at the end, uh, he came to uh, Jeannie and said, what's a homosexual? He was probably, what, eight maybe? Maybe a little older, but uh, Jeannie explained it to him, and, and he said, oh, he said, I thought a homosexual was someone who had sex at home, and that other, <laughs> other people did in a hotel. He's always been a very logical thinker. <laughs> now, 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 listen, listen. He, he, I think he was 11, all right? 25 years ago, it took him until he was 11 to come up with even wondering what that was. That is not true today. All right. In our culture, it is just it is forced on our young people. All right. And, and it is something that as parents, we need to address. All right. And, and you need to do it in love, do it scripturally, but it needs to be done. Don't let the message that's getting out there be the message that the world is giving to our children. kids were probably four and five when we first had the conversation because of all that they see. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. If a husband and a wife are both deciding on a home church, would it be more fair in the marriage if the man picks the church or does it matter? Oh, we'll just pick the church 
you. Come here. <laughs> okay. Daniel, Amanda? Uh, in Ephesians, it says that we're supposed to submit to one another. Um, you're a team. And you want to do things as a team. You don't want to find a church where one person's like, this is great. And the other person's like, I hate it. and never want to go. Like, that's, that's not going to be healthy. No matter who it was that picked it. You want to work together. Um, that's my thought. Yeah, that's very good. I think that both people's opinions matter. Just like he said, I think you both need to take time to find a church where you're feeling like God calls you to. But also keeping in mind to ask God where he's calling you to, not just thinking of, oh, well, I really like the worship, but I don't like this, and I don't like, like, God hasn't called us to be nitpicky, if that makes sense. I feel like God wants us to all be ministers. Um, you know, as pastors, the goal is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. So your prayer should be, God, where do you have me that you want to plant me where I can grow and be used by you, and where I can do ministry and continue to learn more about how to do it. Um, so if you come at it with that heart, I think it would also be easier than saying, well, I like this part and I don't like this part and I don't, because you're never going to find the perfect church. It's, I mean, we're all led by people. We're not perfect. So, you know, when, <laughs> when you're younger, um, Christmas is amazing and so exciting and you just can't wait to wake up on Christmas morning and go to and and go to see what's under the tree and just figure out Christmas and then then you get older and you go through a stage where um it's like oh you know that wasn't the way it used to be and then when you're an adult and you have kids Christmas becomes exciting again but it's no longer because of what you get it's because of what you give um and I think church can be a lot like that. You know, sometimes we're going we're gonna to go, like Amanda said, you can't be nitpicky. Um, every church is going to have flaws. But maybe you, you've, you're in a season where you need to give. You need to make church great for someone else. If you already love the Lord, this is one hour of 168 hours in your week. One. So you can come to agreement, pray. God, God is going to change one of your hearts. Or you go and you serve and you make it great for someone else. That's good. All right. One, one more question here. All right. What are the top questions you ask before you get married? For me, it was What's your last name? <laughs> we met and married in six months. <laughs> and you were engaged in? A couple weeks. Two weeks. weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. Okay. And it, it did work. All right. Yeah. Here we are. I had Where her bamboozled. You? I'm like, I'm sealing this deal before she comes to her senses. We're getting this done. For sure. Okay. Daniel, you took a while, so to answer this All right, question. No, I think the by far the most important thing that you need to find out is, is whether God is absolutely number one. Because throughout your marriage, there's a lot that's going to happen and a lot of challenges that are going to come. But the thing that is your foundation um, is going to make all the difference in the world. And if they have a decision that what God says trumps how they feel, it doesn't matter what bumps come at you in life, you're going to ride through it and you're going to come out on the other side stronger for it. Mm -hmm. And so if you can look at somebody and look at their life and go, when what they want and what God says collide, who wins? Yeah. And if God wins, 
you can figure out the rest. If you guys rest on God and go, all right, we're going to honor God. And then you're going to have to just communicate about that. You'll make it. And so that would be absolutely number one. And you'll see that. Um, I, ask them if they tithe. Because that's going to be a spot where their opinion, where what's most convenient for them collides with what God says. It's convenient to keep your money and God says to honor him first. And you look, that's just one of many areas that you can see their will and God's will collide. And that is the most important thing um, in picking a spouse. Yeah. Um, I would say that the, the first thing you want to do is observe how they resolve conflict. Because you are going to have disagreements, right? And uh, what do they do when you disagree? Do they just get mad and pout? Do they get silent? Do they take off? I mean, those are all really bad, bad signs, right? So how do they handle conflict is really huge. You want to see how do they treat their parents? And especially a girl, how she treats her father, uh, a guy, how he treats his mother, because down the line, there's going, to be a, there, there's going to be a real correlation between how they treat the, 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 the guy, his mother, the girl, her father, and how they treat you. If there's problems right away that you can see, uh, th- those are huge, huge red flags, all right? But you want to observe them, interact with friends and family, their, their work habits, their personal habits. G, uh, Daniel mentioned finances, spirituality. Um, how do they do under stress? Do they have the ability to delay gratification? Right? Um, you, you, you need to do your due diligence. Right? And uh, those are all things that you want to, to look. It's not so much the question that you... I'm, the Bible says this way, every man declares his own goodness. I mean, you, you can ask a question, um, but you really need to observe that person. And there are questions you can ask, you know, how many kids do you want to have? Well, I want none and you want 16. This isn't going to work real well. All right? there, there, there are questions, but it's more observing that person. All right. Well, I want to say thank you to our panel. I think they did a great, great job today. Awesome. Awesome. And... Uh, Right now, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're right with God and you say, I know if my heart stopped beating right now, I would spend eternity in heaven. Would you just lift your hand and say, I'm right with God. I know I'm forgiven. No, I'm on my way to heaven. And if you're not right with God and you didn't lift your hand, I want to talk to you for just a moment. You know God loves you. And there's nothing you could do that would cause him to stop loving you, but he wants more than that love. He wants you to receive the forgiveness that he has for you. And so often we look at ourselves and think, I just don't qualify. But I want you to realize there is no life so dark, no sin so shocking, no sex so perverted, no pit so deep, no addiction so dreadful, that God will not reach down. Our God specializes in impossibilities, in miracles. There is no place that you can be that the blood of Jesus cannot reach down, forgive you, pick you up, and make you a brand new person on the inside. And if you're here today and you say, I want to pray a prayer to receive forgiveness and surrender my life to Jesus, in just a moment, I'm gonna count to three. When I say three, I want you to lift your hand. We're gonna pray together. 
and God's going to meet you right here in this place. And you're going to receive the forgiveness that God has for you. And you're going to surrender your life to Jesus. And as you lift your hand, the first thing that you're saying is you're saying this to God. You're saying, God, I know I'm a sinner. I need a savior. And I'm coming to Jesus to be forgiven and to be saved. One, as you lift that hand, you're saying today I'm coming and I'm going to surrender my life to Jesus. I'm holding nothing back. Two, as you lift that hand, you're saying today I'm receiving forgiveness. I'm surrendering to Jesus. He's going to come into my heart. He's going to forgive me, make me a new person on the inside, a part of your kingdom on my way to heaven. Three, lift that hand up. Say, pray with me. Pray with me. I'm not right. I see that hand and 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 two hands here, another hand over here in the back over here to my left, up in the balcony. Say, include me. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? Now, everybody, right where you're seated, would you just take one hand, place it over your heart, lift your other hand towards heaven where our help comes from, and let's pray together with those that just lifted their hand to say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins, and I believe he rose again. I surrender to him. I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I'm going to live for him every day. And I thank you. You've heard my prayer that I am forgiven. My past is gone. I'm a part of your kingdom today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. Now, if you just prayed that prayer, right in front of you, there is a card that says, I have decided. If you would reach out there and fill out that card, in just a moment, an offering plate's going to come by. Just drop that in the offering plate. We're going to be praying for you every day for the next month. But right now, we're going to sow into the kingdom of God. We're going to receive tithes and offerings. So please prepare. But I just wanted to read one verse here from Proverbs 11. It says, one man gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and he only suffers one. You know, the mistake that so often we make is we think that everything that comes to us is for us. But the truth is that every time something comes to you, there is a part of it that is not for you. And the Bible says if you keep what you should give, it says you don't increase, you decrease. But when you take what you're supposed to sow, and you sow that, it brings blessing and you increase. Now, you try to figure it out mathematically, how many of you know it doesn't work? But God simply says this, he said, I will open the windows of heaven over you and pour you out a blessing. Let me just tell you something, 90% with God's blessing goes farther than 100% without his blessing could ever, ever go. And God can bless you literally in a thousand different ways. Well, Father, we come today and we sow into your kingdom. We sow because we love you. We're thankful for what you've done in our lives. We love your kingdom. And we thank you, Father, that as we sow, we get to have a part in taking the gospel to others. And we thank you that you said you'd open the windows of heaven and pour us out a blessing in Jesus' name.